the panel on RNZ National, Zoe George and David Farrow with me today. Now, you might want to get a message out to people in and around your area. Let us help you where we can on being a lifeline to you. So text anytime, 2101. You can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. Uh, more shout-outs to people doing good work on the ground. Church Unlimited team at Trust Arena Evac Centre are awesome, says one. Well, it's the last news that cyclone-battered North Island residents want to hear, but there's now a severe thunderstorm watch in place for Bay of Plenty, Rotorua, Taupo, Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. The watch is in place until 10pm tonight. So with a word on that, with us is Met Service Meteorologist Angus Hines. Angus, thank you for your time. Good afternoon. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. It's a pleasure. Now, so where are the areas of most concern, Angus? Well, at the moment, we're actually starting to see it really um, come to fruition right now. Just in the last couple of hours, we've seen fairly expen- uh, extensive thunderstorm activity pop up around central and northeastern parts of the North Island. Um, so that is in parts of Coromandel, really uh, Bay of Plenty, Taupo, and some parts of Gisborne as well. Now, the uh, the thing about thunderstorms is they're not as extensive or as widespread as uh, the rain that people will have seen over the last couple of days, but there are still these little pockets, quite small areas, of very intense rainfall. So it's not collecting all of those areas, but if you are under those thunderstorms, that's sort of of little respite. It's really, really unwelcome rain at the moment. Indeed it is, isn't it? And what about into the weekend? Well, I have a bit more optimistic news in that regard. So we've got the thundery weather this afternoon and into this evening, but it is subsiding later on today. There's likely to still be some remnant shower activity along the eastern side of the North Island into Friday, particularly Friday morning. So that does include saturated areas, Gisborne, Hawke's Bay and Wairarapa as well. But that really looks to be easing through the day on Friday and pretty much by Friday evening, the majority, if not all of that rain will have cleared. And it's really paving the way for a much drier, much broader brighter and sunnier weekend so we can really start to get out and try and move forward with the clean-up and the recovery. Oh, kia ora, Angus. Thank you for your time. That's Med Service Meteorologist Angus Hines there and stay locked to RNZ and you'll always get the latest uh, with us. Well, someone says in terms of uh, volunteer shout-outs, heroes, heroines, Simon says, Alistair Benson, Benson in Sunnyvale will respond to any call for help in West Auckland no matter the hour or whether he doesn't want any recognition, but he deserves it. That's from Simon. Or well, keeping in theme with helping out in times of need, one man and his unimog fielded a call to help a woman in labour and her midwife to get to Bay of Islands Hospital from south of Kawakawa. It was dark, the floods were high. Picking up the story with me is Amita Harris Ngapuhi from uh, Kere Kere. Amita, kia ora. good to have you here. Oh, kia ora. Well, yeah, no, great to be here. Yeah. You came to this woman's aid in your Unimog. Tell us about this, Mita. Yeah, no, we've, um, there's a small uh, team of us that have been sort of operating over the last, uh, you know, three to four years. And, um, uh, you know, we've got a truck uh, in our care uh, that we utilise to help where, um, you know, events um, come to us. Uh, uh, in the way of weather or um, COVID or anything else, really. And, um, yeah, we helped out a, a young lady um, at uh, Wyomio, uh where, um, you know, the roads are quite low-lying and uh, those rivers rise 
quite quickly, especially when they coincide with high tides. Mm. And so what happened? You you got the call, did you? And uh, um, how was the process of actually, you know, picking her up? Because this was in at, at that stage pretty deep floodwaters. Yeah, it was pretty deep. It was just um, in the afternoon, so it was quite late. So we left uh, from Waipapa here just out of um, Kitty Kitty. And uh, I guess the whole thing took us, you know, just to respond probably, um, you know, three quarters of an hour, I guess, to go from... from uh, our place to Kawakawa, picked up the midwife in, um, in Kawakawa, and then we made our way um, through to Wyoming. And, uh, you know, those winds were blowing pretty hard, a lot of slips, a few trees down, uh, you know, just on dusk, um, sort of starting to, uh, you know, light out. And uh, we went through, and um, the water was reasonably deep. And uh, once those front uh, headlights go underwater, you know, she's... Uh, little bit of a guessing game to um, line things up right and um, mm. and carry on and don't stop. <laughs> um, pretty frightening experience, uh, Mita. Did it go all to plan? Did did your passengers remain calm? Yeah, they were actually. You know, we got the other families and, um, you know, I suppose we got the, you know, the kids seeing the truck, you know, ooh, you know, uh, quite a neat thing for them to see. And uh, uh, her partner was very, um, very grateful. And uh, we loaded everyone up in the front. Um, Mum was quite calm, uh, which was really cool. And um, uh, we went uh, went back again and, and got back through. So it all happened uh, uh, quite um, uh, quite quickly. Um, but, yeah, a very useful machine. Indeed. And we'll come back to the Unimog, actually. But let's go. We've got a panel with us, Mita. They might have a, right. a question or a comment, if that's all right, Zoe. Yeah. A uh, couple of questions. How did you get the Unimog, and how's Mama and Baba doing? <laughs> So, um, so how did we get the Unimog? So there was a few of us uh, in the north, you know, um, probably back in 2016. You know, we we sort of had these this idea of, um, you know, things are happening a little bit more um, often and more frequent. Uh, you know, you're hearing uh, one in 20 years, one in 10 years, one in 500 years, um, but they're happening more frequently. And um, you know, we made a move to approach. Um, uh, the then Minister of Defence, Ron Mark, and um, asked, you know, if he would oblige with them, um, you know, supplying a, a couple of um, uh, vehicles um, for us uh, in the far north uh, in the event of, um, 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 you know, more events happening, I guess. So he obliged. Uh, we had some training down in uh, Linton and Waiu that was part of the deal, and uh, these vehicles were um, handed over. We brought them home. Um, they sat for a bit. They were first used for um, COVID, so we did a few trips to Auckland to pick up supplies, food and uh, hygiene equipment when COVID struck, and uh, we were mainly working for the Rungano Wāpui, um, so doing a lot of work um, for them and distributing uh, food around to the Marae, so they came in very handy, you know, especially when access was an issue. And of yeah. course, uh, more lately with the weather events, so one of the vehicles is up in the far north uh, with uh, Ngāti Kuri. Um, so they have the uh, care, the kaitiaki of, of one of these vehicles and uh, uh, making use of it themselves. David? I'm just thinking when the baby is older, what a great story this is going to be about how your mum was taken to hospital in a unimog. Um, probably better for the child, they, they weren't burnt, born in the Unimog, but that would probably be the only way the story could actually be better, uh, would be if they were able to say that. But, uh, you know, such a special story, and I'm amazed to hear that you got the Unimog specifically for situations like that. That's just such a great degree of planning and foresight. 
Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as you can see down on the East Coast, you know, that's all they're using down there really to get access yeah. to the place. So, you know, in terms of the vehicle, the vehicles, you know, they're 30 plus years old, uh, but they're okay. still relevant now. And I mean, you know, refurbishing them and keeping them up uh, to scratch would, you know, probably see another 20 years of use uh, for these vehicles. They're basically a high-speed tractor on wheels, really. Right, because they, as I understand it, they're very hardy and in, particularly in flood emergencies, they're quite resilient. In fact, they can go, um, they, they can go right, they can be inundated in water and still go, can't they? Yeah, well, we, um, you know, there was a couple of rescues out at, uh, at Rangiahua, just in Waiho Valley, north of Wakaiha, that we did uh, where the Rangiahua Bridge um, um, goes under and uh, quite a, it's probably about a kilometre of road goes underwater. Uh, we received a few people out of vehicles, you know, pulling up alongside and pulling them in uh, to the vehicles and letting the vehicle, their vehicles float away. We've done that with um, uh, late last year. Oh, actually, you know, uh, this month uh, we're up uh, north of Kyle um, going in to get someone out and, uh, you know, how high those vehicles are. We had the water over the bonnets. So, um, you know, it's, it just shows you how deep they can go. Um, yeah. As long as, you're, you know, as long as you're familiar with the roads and where it washes out and where it doesn't, you know, so you've got a bit of a guessing game when we go left or right, not too close to the culverts, this sort of thing, but, um, yeah. Well, that's great, uh, Mita. So, um, uh, so baby and mum, all well, um, safely delivered. Uh, have you been in touch with them at all? No, I haven't. I yeah. wouldn't mind getting in touch, though. Yeah, very good. Thanks for your time. That's uh, Mita Harris here from Kerry Kerry, uh, who fielded a call to help uh, a woman in labour uh, and her midwife to get to hospital uh, there. Dark flood side, um, but uh, made it and uh, everybody is uh, safe and well. Uh, you're on the panel on RNZ National. Nice to be with you. It is 20 past four. Before we go to our next guest, uh, there were a, a couple of people in Hawke's Bay saying um, the, the, the updates we really want uh, is the cricket um, oh, yes. because they can't, yes. so they don't have connectivity. Um, and Zoe, you're going to be our point person yes. with that? Yes. So we're currently uh, at T and England are 134 for two uh, in the first session in Mount Monganui. Ben Duckett was the star with 14 boundaries and a polished 84 off 68 before he perished driving off Blair Tickner. Ollie Pope, who I interviewed last week and is a delight, has looked to break up the length of the New Zealand paceman by advancing and he has worked his way through to 30 not out of 47 while Joe Root has started positively on 9 not out. So there you go. How's that? for? I will keep Very it, cool. but we're at T, so I don't know how long T is, um, but I'll ensure to keep an eye on the cricket scores for you. Wonderful. Keeping up with the cricket on the panel this afternoon for those who uh, don't have that connectivity and anything you want to get in touch about, 2101. Now, the issue of forest slash has been front and centre. Slash build-ups, breaking up bridges, destroying land. And there is a massive unseen issue, perhaps less spoken about, and that is the huge volume of sediment flowing into estuaries and oceans. Conrad Pilditch is Professor of Marine Science at the University of Waikato and Programme Leader for Degradation and Recovery for the Sustainable Seas National Science Challenge. Conrad, welcome. Kira Wallace and the panel, nice to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And hasn't hasn't been as much touched on, but I was thinking actually the, the other day, the amount of sediment flowing into the estuaries with the 
intense rain over days and weeks. It must be incredible. And I'm wondering if there is any way of quantifying how much. Would it be what, thousands of tonnes? Uh, yes, um, probably millions of tonnes, to be honest. New Zealand does a really good job of delivering um, a lot of sediment to the coastal environment. You know, some of that's uh, natural. We live in a westerly wind belt, but these you know, heavy rainfall events, the number of cyclones we've had over the last several weeks has really amplified that process. And, you know, I think probably in time with, with the images that we'll get and also the volumes of landslides that we've had, we'll probably be able to get a pretty good idea of just how much has arrived. But, you know, this is a process that is happening in the background and, and adding sediment to our estuaries and coastal environments. And, the, um, you know, the effects on our environment are, are not great. And these events really bring it into sharp focus. All right, so a million, possibly millions of tonnes of sediment washing into our estuaries. Extraordinary figure there. What sort of ongoing effect on coastal marine life is that going to have? Yeah, so you can kind of divide the effects up into two things. There's the, the sort of obvious effect that you see when the rivers run brown. And, and also, you know, I've had some colleagues at the University of Auckland being out and about between the cyclones. Uh, checking on some of their field sites in the estuaries, and they've seen large slugs of mud accumulating um, on the on the intertidal sand flats. So you can see that effect. But then, you know, the sort of longer term effects, with, as that gets washed away, is a general browning of our coastal waters. Now, that's really important for a number of reasons because it begins to impact on the plants that live on the ocean and the plants that live on the sea floor, and they're the ones that provide all the food for the animals in the Kaimoana that we love. Okay, let's go around the panel and stay there, Conrad. David, you first. I'm just wondering if you've got any degree of how bad this has been in terms of that impact compared to previous adverse weather events. Yeah, we, to be honest, we haven't really um, had the opportunity. As you realise, we're in the middle of a, you know, a national state of emergency and our ability to get outside and go and assess our field sites where we have our long-term monitoring programs, of course, that'll be a priority for councils around the country and also for our students and collaborators across the country as well. But just looking at the effects and you know, in the Coromandel, the amount of landslides we've had, how turbid and how fast those rivers have been flooding, mm. I imagine these effects are going to be quite widespread and, and persist for a long period of time after the weather clears up. Conrad, we might come back to you for a second take on this. Actually, this is so interesting, but we need to go to our next guest very shortly who's got very limited battery power. But for now, thank you. That's Conrad Pilders, Professor of Marine Science. I want to come to this very quickly. While there is cover, a massive operation has been underway to reach people in Esk Valley, north of Napier. One listener, Anne, has been in contact. She has travelled to bring her daughter and family home to Omakerekere from Esk Valley. She's reached them, but the road is now closed. Uh, Anne, good to have you here with us. Yeah, hi, Wallace. Now, where are you at the moment? Right now, we're in Nate, on a car, waiting to get onto the Highway 50 um, yeah, Highway 50 uh, ramp going south so we can go home. Um, we've already seen our daughter and children and their, their family that were on another roof out there in Espal. So we know they're all right. How difficult has it been to reach Esk Valley? 
This morning it wasn't. We were allowed in because uh, obviously my daughter is a rep. We were allowed to get back in and they wanted to retrieve a few. Nope. Gone. So uh, we might try and get uh, Anne back there. So there you go. Um, she's travelled to bring her daughter and family home to Ormakere from his family, uh, reached them, but uh, the road is now closed. We might try and get Anne uh, back a bit later. But I was just coming back to that story about sedimentation there, uh, Zoe. <laughs> That's, yeah. We haven't heard so much about that. I want to I want to bring action. Anne is back. Anne, are you there? Yeah, I am here. All right, yeah. so what's, what, while we have you here with your limited power, not, we won't keep you, what's the next steps for you in the next few hours? Well, in the next few hours, we're trying to get back to Central Hawke's Bay because I've got a son that needs to get out tomorrow. So I've got to come back here, but I don't even know if we're going to get back home at this point. Okay, so have you got place, a place to stay, a place to sort of bunk down? Yeah, find somewhere up here won't be any hassle my daughter and her husband have decided to stay up here because they're safe and they're comfortable where they are with a friend in Bayview and they've got enough room so at the moment they're staying here until we come back on the weekend to get them oh it's got so, yeah, all back. up in the yeah we'll have to come back to help them it's yeah. such a, it's like it's like a war zone out there it's it's horrible. You must have seen some extraordinary things going into Esk Valley. Uh, the damage, uh, the images that we've all seen, just indescribable, huh? It is almost indescribable. It's, it's the amount of silt and, and mud, like they've got a vineyard and you can't, you basically can't tell there was a vineyard there. You can see a few vines poking out of the mud and it, the mud must be about two metres deep in places, uh, yeah. And their houses are just, yeah. Destroyed things, destroyed people's cars thrown all over the place, tractors, all the things. It's just yeah, it's unbelievable. Stay safe, uh, and we'll uh, keep in touch with you. Uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow or through the weekend, and see how you and Fano are. Huh? Okay, sure. Thank you very much. Yeah, people have been very kind. Both families. Um, yeah, they've been really kind, and they were actually rescued by civilians rescued by a Kuchinetsky mm. or anything. They took longer to get, I think. Yeah. And thank you. Hey, thank you very much. All right, that's um, uh, Anne Johnson there. I just wanted to come back to that. We've got uh, someone lined up from Piha. We might have to sort of um, go to them just after the headlines. Just you, you, you heard that silt and sedimentation there in the vineyards, and um, Conrad Pillage there is always just going, it could be millions of tonnes washing into the estuaries, the oceans. You hear about the forestry slash, but then you've got this mm. um, critical... Uh, issue which will be ongoing for years if not decades. Yeah, there must be some kind of modelling that's been in place to figure out you know, how many years it's going to take to recover from this. But I guess one of the questions that I do have for those who are knowledgeable about this is how do we reduce sediment displacement in major weather events such as this? How can we reduce our footprint in regards to this? And, yeah, it's it's just, it's so, it, that was so devastating to hear about about what's happening in Esk Valley. It's just, yeah, it's heartbreaking, heartbreaking. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Thank you for your uh, feedback coming through. Uh, 2101, you can email the panel at rnz.co.nz. I'm with David Farrer and Zoe George this afternoon. It's 4.30. It's time for headlines.